Welcome to Victims of the Punt, powered by puntingform.com.au, Australia's best horse racing database, made possible by themailbag.com.au. Late mail accountable betting advice delivered via our app. Head to themailbag.com.au and bet with us. Up first, we've got Chris Waller, then the boys preview the round week card. Enjoy. G'day and welcome to the mailbag this week. Chris Waller joins us. Chris, how are you? Very well. Yeah, great to be on the mailbag. Thank We're you very mailbag. much for giving us some time, mate. We're going to kick off with a, with a soft question. What's, what's your favourite sort of comfort food? So like a food that just makes you feel a little bit safe. For, for me, it's a McChicken from Macca's. It just settles me. Um, I'm partial to a bit of KFC. Oh, good man. Uh, Colonel. Yeah. Uh, we, I've, had, I've celebrated group one wins with KFC. So um, I'm pretty normal. I can tell you that. And you'll get to learn that pretty quickly at the end of this interview. Is that after you've been sober or hungover? Um, I'm normally pretty sober, Mark. Okay. Sensible driver, of course. By the time I get home from the races, I'm just about falling asleep. So, yeah, one or two glasses of Rob's wine and then I'm uh, on history. Mark, uh, Chris, just a more serious question. Um, do you think the change of tactics rule and the official speed maps helps or hinders participants? <laughs> it helps me <laughs> because um, because before the uh, change of tactics rules, I used to get criticised a lot. Uh, Monday's paper, if one of the stable mates uh, got beaten and the outsider won, which can often happen, um, or a stable mate led and the horse from the stable as a backmark won, uh, created big problems. And I could see it was heading in the wrong direction. So it was probably a good thing for me. I applaud it. Uh, I realise it's tying jockeys down and they can't make decisions. So your Jimmy Cassidy's, your Shane Dyes, even the Blake Shins and some degrees, well, I guess all of them like to make a decision and not be not be criticised too much. Um, but the world's changed, uh, so I guess it's a bit like starting on a grid, um, and uh, basically where your barrier draws are is where we're pretty much set. If you if you've got a front runner, obviously you go forward. But if you've got a horse like my stable where they're normally looking for cover. Um, with a touch conservative, the barrier draw pretty much gives up how we ride our horses. So if they draw seven, they probably settle sixth or seventh. If they draw nine, they probably settle eighth or ninth. I'm not partial, or I, I don't mind a horse being three wide, but in a bigger field. I wouldn't be three wide in that eight horse field, but if you've got a field of, say, 10 or more, three wide, six, seventh, no problem at all. It's probably an advantage. So probably got off track a bit, but I'm not against the um, the change of tactics. Um, I think it's it's pretty it's pretty good to be transparent in this day and age, but it will tie down some punters that had a that have a better idea than others. So it probably helps the helps the people that need help. Are you doing your own speed maps, uh, Chris, or are you getting someone else to do them, or are you using the Racing New South Wales ones? Oh. I've, I didn't use the Racing New South Wales ones until about four or five months ago. My man was getting a bit late to me, so I had to I had to have another option ready to go. 
but I do have someone do it, and uh, he's a pretty reserved and and um, quiet person, so he doesn't like too much recognition. But he's very accurate. Um, I find the racing New South Wales ones are pretty good. I don't want to get into any controversies there, but I thought Lee Dalton did a fantastic job. He's since left, and I understand there's new people doing it, and I'm sure they'll pick it up pretty quickly. So we'll use that as a guide. I'll try and run the two, mine and theirs. Um, but we try not to make too many surprises. Um, I think it's more certain stables they lead. Other stables are a bit more conservative, and and I guess there's a few that sort of probably don't don't have the confidence to to make decisions. So I think I'm sure you guys as punters work it out pretty quickly. This, yeah, simple as that. Can I just bring up one that I, I backed to a moan, maybe maybe my new uh, Yulong Prince, the, the, the um, Hong Kong horse you had in the last, Lena's Hero. It, it's jumped well. It's trialled well. They've gone forward in the trial. And then it's ended up going back after jumping well. Nash yeah. being a senior rider. Yeah, I think Nash rode. I gave the instructions to, to Nash to, to, to basically... I think we said um, we'd, we'd be trying to find a little bit of cover because we thought in his trial he might have led by default. And Kerry uh, Bowman rode him in the trial and he sort of just sort of got stuck there and he got further in front. It was a, lo- a long day in the trial. So I guess what you're questioning is the difference in tactics and trials to races. So good question. Um and I know Nash had ridden the horse from Hong Kong, and I think he might have had a preconceived idea that the horse needed a bit of cover too. So uh, distance we thought was a bit short. So there's so many variables that um, you probably miss out from how a trainer or a jockey might might think. And I think um, I think bringing them together, the trainer, the punter, the the jockeys, and getting our opinions is probably an important thing. Hundred percent. Um, Chris, this is a betting-focused uh, show, so we better ask a betting question. Um, can you remember over your career a particularly big crack you had at one personally, one of your runners, and how did no, it go? I honestly can't, and I'll tell you the reason why. Yeah. When I first started in um, in Sydney, I was broke, and yeah. uh, basically any spare dollar I had was was probably not mine. So, um, yeah, it was just I, I ran the business week to week, and I was paying staff as the money came in, paying bills as it came in, and I did sit couldn't afford to lose anything. So um, <laughs> I came across the mailbag. <laughs> yeah, um, I've had bets along the years. I can't remember the last ones. I, I, I used to have a bet in Hong Kong, like on the on the Sunday races yeah, right. when I was sitting at home and things like that. But to me. Yeah. Um, every yeah. one of my horses is a bet. Yeah, I right. get yeah. extremely disappointed when they get beaten. I don't ever say, oh, gee, that was a $2 favourite and the punters <laughs> did the money there. I feel it. And I, I hold my hand on my heart saying that. Um, I get pissed off when they're not ridden right. I get disappointed when they don't run right. Uh, I get disappointed in myself when I might have worked a horse too hard or put it in the wrong race or or run it when I know it just couldn't win. Um, yeah, so I think that's something the punter probably needs to understand. And most trainers, we feel it, 
and um, and regardless of sizes of bets, if I had $1,000 on a horse and it got beat, I'd be filthy. And it would affect the way I train the horse next week. I would probably overwork it. Or if I knew that I was having a, a big bet on a horse a week before, I'm sure I would change the way I train it. Whereas now I sort of, I'm probably a little bit more cautious. I'd rather have them a little bit underdone because I think less is more. Yeah. And um, I think as a punter, you would change the way you train pretty quickly. Just along the lines of like starting out, like coming to Sydney and, and struggling, like everyone, everyone watching the show, myself included, like you struggle with self-doubt from time to time. Was there a point or has there been a point or an amount of prize money when that just sort of like left? And, and what did that feel like for the rest of us? Um, <laughs> I guess, um, yeah, I always had a lot of doubt and I was, I've got a massive fear of failure. And I think that probably drives me a bit too hard from time to time. Um, Triple Honour winning a Group 1 race was a big kick along for me because I learnt that um, I could make it in the big time. It didn't matter as much as how I trained. And, and like most punters, I used to think, oh, what's that trainer using? What's he doing? What's he so, what's so different from he, him to me? But... I actually learned with triple honour, didn't matter what was happening, it, the horse needs to be good enough. And uh, he ran second to weekend hustler, beating the nose. Um, probably one of Mark's great calls. I thought we won the race. I was just gutted. That would have been our first group one when weekend hustle was dollar forty. We almost beat it. I think Nash was on triple honour. And um, I went, I drove home that night. And it was so deflated. But I actually thought, well, no, nah, shouldn't be deflated because I've got a horse that's actually good enough to be running in those races. And sure enough, um, four or five weeks later, he came out and won the Doncaster. So that was probably the point that I didn't doubt myself as much. And I started to back my, my gut instinct. And I think, like punters, um, once you start going with that gut instinct and you get on a bit of a roll and you start to relax with a few things you tend to make the right decisions more often than not. So I think that stopped the self-doubting to some degree. And that's why you'll see a lot of the times I'll do follow patterns. Um, Winks ran in the same races every year. Nature Strip's running in the challenge stakes on Saturday. Why? He won it last year. It was a good springboard through to the TJ. Like, we'll run horses in the far lap stakes like Winks won, and we've won it five or six years in a row because it's a good springboard to other races. We've won eight or nine Chibi Nortons because it works. We've had good success in Doncaster because I know what to follow to get there and, and so on. So you follow, you follow your traditions. The beauty of Sydney racing and Australian races, we're racing for two weeks a year as well too. So um, I'm not like a footy player who is an off-season um, or even trainers overseas. Uh, we're... we're it's full-on for two weeks a year, and whether it be um, the Everest or Golden Slipper Day, we put a lot into every Saturday racing because it's a big deal in Sydney. Um, probably the crowds aspect isn't the same as it used to be, uh, and you guys would all know what it was like 20, 30 years ago. Saturday racing was a big deal. It still is from wagering, but as we see it as trainers, it's a, it's a, it's, it's important to get your horses right, and we're making the same decisions every week.
I'd imagine one of the bigger challenges you've faced like with the growth of your business, like as a horseman, you've got ability, you're a horseman, but growing a business like to the gigantic size that it would have, would be now, has that been an enormously difficult task and like probably one of the more challenging things you've done? Yeah, it has, and it just takes a long time. So we haven't changed anything with our system. We've run it on a multiple of 20, and those that have shown interest in me in the past will hear the same old story. We have one four-person in charge of 20 horses um, at Rose Hill. We've got, obviously, seven four-persons because we've got 140 horses. Warwick Farm, we've got one because we've got 23 horses there. Uh, Melbourne, we've got two because we've got capable space for 40 and basically the Gold Coast we've got two as well so we split it into 20 that sort of that making those people um, be in control and giving them a sense of ownership of those horses that's a big thing that's helping with the everyday running of the stable um, I still set their programs I still set their work and as I said before it takes a lot of time um, but I think as the old saying goes, one man can train 100 or 240, I think we get up to at certain stages over all the stables, and two people can't train one. So there's certain aspects that you've got to stay on top of. It takes a lot of time, and, and um, that's why you'll see me in front of a computer more often than not. But um, it seems to work. Well, how, how are you monitoring their track work in the morning, Chris? Is someone clocking them for you? Are you clocking them yourself? Um, we have... A person, well, at Rose Hill, which is our main base, we have a person clocking them on a Tuesday and Saturday. There'll be backups for them, so there'll be three people clocking, and they're my main staff. Um, they'll call me at the 400 metre mark, say, um, Nature Strips at the 500, uh, Subpoenas at the 500. They let me know when it's at the 500, because as long as they're running to a certain time and not going over quick or not going too slow, that's all I need to know. And for my own sense of um, sort of staying with things, I watched in the last 400 metres. So, uh, yeah, it's sort of a pretty pretty well-regimented system. Gold Coast, um, they'll send us a completed worksheet every morning, six days a week, Monday to Saturday. Warwick Farm, exactly the same. Clinton, exactly the same. And it all gets recorded. Um, just simple comments, like I've got it in front of me now. Um, some of them good uh, humidor from Tuesday morning when he works was very very happy relaxed beautifully um, I'm looking at uh, Star of the Seas this was his last gallop built stronger behind more supple he's ready to go so we're getting those types of comments um, as well as the bad ones the bad ones get highlighted um, can we get some of them <laughs> yeah, I just, I just about read one out. <laughs> um, matchmaker relaxed well, but was holding her breath. So we put a tongue tie on her, uh, and she tried with a tongue tie on this morning and, and tried beautifully. So just little things like that. And any problems get highlighted, um, the vets will go over that and things like that. It's pretty simple, but sticking to the system and making sure it's consistent is the key. Now, what about, uh, there's been some talk about changing the time to track work, where a lot of horses, of course, have worked in the dark and very early. So you, you've been pushing this a little bit lately. Yeah. Yeah, we have. Mark, I just think people get a bit tired. I, for one, get a bit grumpy. I don't, I go to bed for my kids. Um, 
we don't get to see the horses work in daylight. We get to see these dark figures working from a distance under spotlights. Is that a good thing? Um, there's just so many little negatives um, and there's certain people that argue against the fact. So um, until we all sit down and say, come on, let's get this sorted, let's all work out towards positives. I don't think there'll be a sudden change. The biggest impact at the moment though is a labor shortage. Um, and there's still a relatively high unemployment rate in Australia. Um, I would hate it to get any lower because it will make it even harder for us. So we just don't get the kids, well, not shouldn't say kids, teenagers from school. You've got to be 16, I think, to work in the stables. We just don't get the local schools saying, oh, we'd like to work in the stables on the holidays or the weekends. And it's a bit of a problem. So that drive, and it's, it's no good because I can afford to get better staff and unfortunately, I have to pass it on to the owners. So my training fees go up. But the smaller trainer, they're the ones who are going to struggle because they're not going to have the same staff that we get. Yeah. And and likewise, it's, it's, it's a snowball effect. And and occupational health and safety, it's only a matter of time where these other problems start to creep in. And, and do we make it more interactive for owners? Make it interactive for punters to actually come to track work. We are giving them as much information as we can, but at what stage will people start coming back to have breakfast at the track and make it a, an, actual, an actual place where you just don't have to turn up on a race on race day to, to get something out of racing. You pay a membership, you should be able to turn up at Rose Hill or Ramwick seven days a week if you want and see a horse going around and know what that horse is going on to the track. Do you think that the, the punter as a whole needs some type of representation like and a, a body to represent them and be part of the discussion with the, the breeders, the trainers, the jockeys, the owners for, for the betterment of the industry, for the, to strengthen the industry, to strengthen the, the funding and longevity of it? Um, I, guess, I guess they're, the, um, and they're the, the, the people funding racing, especially the way the models are at the moment. Um, you go to Warwick Farm on a Wednesday, there's no one there, so the punters are driving the turnover and the turnover is obviously what's funding the sport. So, um, yeah, I'm surprised they don't. And obviously not, I'm not on the administration side of things, but yeah, breaking down the barriers is the key. You, there should be no animosity and no, no negativity in terms of barriers between punters, trainers, jockeys. We all um, can train badly. We can all ride horses badly. We can all pump badly. But oh, to, get every, to get everybody's aspect on the same page, I think it would be pretty healthy and um, find out why um, Mash did that or Huey did that or James did that and uh, what's their actual view on a horse. And um, just between the jockey and the trainer, like um, going back to last week, with, um, uh, we had very elegant and colding. Uh, and just getting the aspect of the jockey, like Hugh said, oh, look, Colding ran well. He um, he ran up the best he could. He ran super. Like he said, I was so proud of him. But I thought the reason he got beat was because he got left in front and the others sort of had the drop on him. But the jockeys can see it completely different to a trainer and obviously trainers see it different to punters and things like that. So, yeah, breaking down the barriers is good. And for sure, like... 
Um, I shouldn't say it, but Warwick Farm again yesterday. Poor old punter probably needs an upgrade. Sylvan's at Warwick Farm. Um, the food, the food and, and drink on course is a well. I'm down in Victoria, but it's it's there's no, it's well, not it a reason be, to go to the track, and it and it's not cheap. Yeah. Well, it should be free, and it should be should be well worth eating and drinking, shouldn't it? So, um, yeah, you go to the um, the clubs around around the world, and and, and the casinos obviously are the benchmark. Um, yeah, they certainly look after people and give them rewards, but that's probably out of my depth. But I'm sure to make some like a Qantas Club type scenario for um, for each level, I guess, of, of punter or each level of owner. Um, you've got to look after your participants. And I'm, I'm sure they think they are, but I'm sure there's room for improvement. And maybe we're spoiled. Maybe we're spoiled with prize money in Australia. Look, I'm sure we've uh, kept you longer than we should have. Have you got a best bet this weekend for the punters outside the obvious? September runs a certainty, so keep that, <laughs> keep that to yourself. Um, well, I've been not giving you my, my value shot there. That was actually going to be imaging in the same race. It'd be interesting to see how he runs up Good. straight. Um, well, look, you, we, we pretty much follow what, what the prices are set. Um, I think you guys are a better judge than we are. Gone are the days where there's smokies, certainly for my stable. Um, um, look, a horse like Madame Rouge. Oh, I was going to say Madame Rouge. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was on her first up. Look forward. Stay calm, Rob. Stay calm. Yeah. A, a first up run on a soft to heavy track was brilliant. Um, she's trained on well since. I'd say 1,300 is the perfect distance. She loves a good track. She's drawn perfectly. But she needs a couple to fail, like Bivouac. He looks a pretty good thing. Um, there's a couple of others in there as well, like Sabatiano and those that are obviously going to be very hard to beat. But like, maybe it's her, her chance to go to a, a new level and, and perhaps win a Group 1 race. Beautiful. Thank you very much, mate. Really, really appreciate your time. Absolute pleasure. Anytime. Thanks, Chris. That was Chris Waller. This is now Victims of the Punt. Mark Sheen, Mark Roden, Rob Scurry and myself will take you through races two. Uh, Cotch and Soda, races two. Three, five, seven and eight. Boys, we're going to kick off in race two, 1,200 metres, the Todman, group two, two-year-olds. The boys, Colton Geldings, Mark Sheen. Um, what, what are we doing here? Is this thing just a, a high horse or is it a... Pretty good horse is Profiteer. Profiteer. Um, look, I I personally prefer stay inside myself. I know he's drawn a bit of pooey out there in uh, gate number eight. Rocket Tiger's already scratched it, and Mark has accepted for the Black Opal. So we won't know until race morning, I'd say, um, where they decide to go. Solar Winds also accepting in the Black Opal. Look, hasn't drawn great stay inside, but um, I've been a little bit more impressed with him personally than... Profiteer, I don't think Profiteer beat much, but a little bit tired lady, probably entitled to even pretty fast. But um, I think if something decent gets on his hammer, um, he might be there ready to pound, stay inside. So I'm going five from one. Koch and Soda? Yeah, I'm in that camp too. I think um, I think because of the map and the draw, if the field doesn't fall away too much, then Profiteer is probably going to be favourite. And if that's the case, I'll certainly be on stay inside because I think he's the better two-year-old. He's got be better figures with me and I prefer his racing style. I think he 
is the one that can settle and ping rather than Profiteer, who looks like he goes a bit keen. It's going to be harder to get him to settle. Rob Scurry, if you could buy one, which one would you buy? They're all um, the same price. On, on, it's either Chris's, Uncle Chris's horse, Home Affairs, or um, Stay Inside. Stay Inside certainly has a, um, a swagger. He doesn't mind getting the old boy out on race day, like a lot of good sires have in the, in the past. And, um, yeah, he's, 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 he's got a real presence about him. So um, no love at all, boys, for Animoy? No, no, I was just getting to that definite, definite bet for me at $15 plus. I, I think there's nothing wrong at all with that blue diamond form. I, look, I've got Stay Inside favourite in my market but uh, from Profiteer, but I've got Animo, uh, a very close third, uh, around half the price it is in the market, and I'll be on it for sure. Yeah, two, two genuine big figures it's run now, you know, out of four four starts. So I, I think that blue diamond was, was a good race. And um, not suited badly in it. Yeah, um, so I, yeah, at the price, I'm definitely going to be on. Okay, race number three, the Phillies version. Mark Sheen, are we still with the Phillies? We were with the Phillies. We staying there? No. Uh, the Phillies are not much chop. No, I don't think. The oh, Phillies, sorry, I we think were four moves ahead. Four moves ahead is the, the best Philly. No, we were with the Colts last week, Dicko. You're going over Kentucky Fries, mate. <laughs> um, oh, I'm a McChicken man. Waller's the Colonel man. <laughs> I'm a bit fizzy off it. Look, we got um, I've got Pretty Woman, Glistening, and Chill in the um, in the Black Opal as well. So this field could uh, change a little bit. Uh, look, I don't think there's any well beaters uh, in this race. For that reason, I'm going at Vianello. I know she has been beaten in the last three starts, but uh, she gets to 1,200 here, and I think that's probably a distance that she's been looking for and drawn well. And I've got a big watch on the bottom one here, Stard, or how I don't know how you pronounce it, but uh, it's really impressed me. The trials looks like 1200 first double, really suited. Cotton? Yeah, this is pretty open, and it could change complexion if Pretty Woman goes to her home track on Sunday in the Black Opal, because uh, she'll, be, she'll be up on the speed for sure. Um, yeah, not super confident about this race. I, one thing I will say is I couldn't take 440. Um, Swift Witness in a fit. I don't know how it's favourite, but I mean, well, I, I do have a bit of a slow on all that Queensland two-year-old form. Maybe that's just my prejudice, but I, I couldn't have her favourite. Uh, the one I've come up with at a price, but not not for sheep stations, is Joyous Legend, who won an open age maiden on a wet track at Gosford on Deboo and looks to me like the set up to 1200 would suit, and it's around $8. Um, so I could entertain her at the price. I'd big watch on that first starter. It is the sort of race a first starter could win because I don't think the race are up to much. And uh, testimonials looking for 1200, but also not sure how good she is. So, if I at this stage, if I was to back anything, it'd be Joyous Legend. I reckon it'd be from the yard uh, for Rob uh, Joyous Legend. She trialed at the official trials and looked very light, so uh, maybe she's strengthened up since then. So, uh, maybe Rob will give us a leg up there uh, prior to the race number three, how she's progressed from that, that early season trial when I saw her. I was going to say your Vianello looks like a bit of, bit of a weddy type, so I'm looking to, to find some fresh blood here, and there's no one riding better than Tommy Berry. So if this star thing looks any even half decent, I'll probably all over it. Um, but, yeah, I'll just, just try and just pick him out of the yard and, and, you know, forget their names and go from there. Race 5,000-metre dash, the Challenge Stakes Group 2, Nature Strips back, favourite. Can it be beaten here? Cotch and soda. He can always be beaten, Fanny. He's 
I mean, there was a fair bit of chat on, on Twitter, sort of giving you a lot of credit for your theory yeah, the of coming to play on <laughs> last, last yeah. start. And I think you, you zigged when you should have zagged. I, yeah, well, standard. But um, yeah, that's just my back of the envelope. About one time in one time in three, he puts in a run that makes him unbeatable in most sprints in Australia. So if you get $3, then you should bet. And if he's under $3, you shouldn't. That's about my. That's about the science behind it. It's, yeah, it's not the most sophisticated theory of all time, but I'd certainly, I mean, I've done, you know, just, I've done my prices and I've got him at $1.70, but I wouldn't take evens. No way. Uh, yeah. It's just not a betting proposition. I mean, you say there's two of them, there's about three of them. You know, there's three or so distinct levels of performance you can put in. Sometimes it doesn't get to the 400. It's uh, is a very difficult horse to be confident about backing. Um, in terms of what could beat him, maybe Written Beauty, but she's got to take a big step up to do so. Um, Oh, yeah, I'd probably just lay nature strip would be my only play. Mark? Yeah, it's, a, it's an awkward draw for him too, isn't it? With the, yeah, with pace yeah. underneath, um, depends how he jumps out. He might have to do a bit of work. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit the same. I'm, I don't want to really take the race on, but if I was doing anything in it, I'd, I'd probably lay it myself if I can lay it around 170, something like that. Probably piss in now. <laughs> <laughs> The only one I could possibly back would be Written Beauty. She thinks she can improve a lot from the yard, and she's about the only one on the way up. And there seems to be a lot of pace here. And you know, she, maybe she can have it run to suit and, and pull something out. But yeah, probably no bet race. Race seven, the Group One for the three-year-olds over the male Randwick Guineas. Can Aegon? Or will Aegon just be too good here, Mark Sheen? Well, look, the thing about him is that he's never backed up. Uh, two weeks from his last run. Um, he's going to get a firm track on Saturday. So a few things against him. If you take that run the other day, he's definitely better than the locals. But, you know, a few things he's he hasn't done before he has to do. So if you take that last run, he probably wins. But, um, again, I, I don't want to take the short odds to find out. I thought Malanga was pretty brave in Melbourne. Uh, last time I saw him in Sydney, he looked very light and at the end of his campaign before he went down for the Caulfield Guineas. I'd be interested to have a look at him in the yard and see if he's progressed. They put the blinkers on. He's got a soft draw here. So uh, I'm probably going to attack him on an each-way basis, actually. Well, I, on my own, I, I mark that as a big, big, big run. And that form is, is strong enough, I think. It's, it, it's good Victorian form for three-year-olds. Well, and like you're saying, the, lo the locals aren't, aren't much chop. What did you think of him as a tight Malonga? I didn't think much of him as a spring three-year-old when Chris had him. Um, I can't remember. Well, that, that's the thing. He was very light here last time in. So that's the thing. I want to look at him in the yard and see if he's, he's got a lot, lot stronger. Yeah, I don't think he has. We'll, we'll find out on Saturday for you too. Koch and Soda? Yeah, well, it's sounding like an echo chamber in here. Malonga's the one on the back. Um yeah, Agon was very impressive against what's turning, what's proving to be a pretty average bunch of three-year-olds in Sydney. He's certainly better than them. Um, but I wanted to go away from that Hobartville form line, personally, and I came up with Moonga, second up, up to the mile, blinkers on. And, yeah, I mean, in some years, there's a bit of a golfing class between the Sydney and Melbourne three-year-olds, but I don't think that's the case this year at all. I, I think they're pretty even a lot. And I don't think um, Moonga's form, uh, is being, being from Melbourne, is... Uh, I don't think that's a negative this year at all. I think he's right in this race. I don't think he's too far uh, too far away from Egon in the 
early betting. And the other one on my back is uh, a horse who I was better than I thought she was. Um, Harmony Rose. Harmony Rose, yes. We were very keen on that Brookspire in that um, yep. uh, midway race at Kensington. And while Brookspire probably wasn't given every chance, this thing just dominated that race. That was a great win. She's um, probably Oaks-bound, I imagine. But um, she is the one on the up. And at double-figure odds, I certainly won't be losing on her. Do you think there's something in the, the Victorian form at the moment because they're coming off like good threes and good fours and like good, even fast tracks versus some of the softer form? Possible. Um, there's been a few wet tracks in Sydney. It hasn't been like, you know, last winter or anything. Though. There's been a mix of tracks in Sydney. There could be something in it, I don't know. We're going to finish in race eight, 1,300 metre group one, wait for age. Chris Waller's half-tipped us, Madame Rouge here, boys. Mark Sheen, can it win? Uh, no, not for me. Not for me. No, no. You know, she was a bit unlucky the other day, but that was subpoenaed beater, and she's ideal running up near Clacker there at the at the death. So no, I haven't got them. I haven't got her close enough. I've got her about six or seven lengths off actually, um, which means it's immoral. Um, <laughs> look, I could only back Bivouac or Mask Crusader. I'm a uh, victim for Mars Crusader. I know he's not in that well at the weights here with the, the set weights, uh, with the weight for age, but, um, and I know he didn't beat much the other day, but I did like the way he knuckled down when he got into him. And uh, from a, a good draw here, whereas Bivouac's drawn a little bit wider, might have to go back and find some cover with a bit of pace underneath. So I'm going with Mars Crusader from Bivouac. Yep. Um, not a betting race for me at the current prices. I want uh, I'd want to be on bivouac if anything but I'd want three dollars plus I mean he's you know short as 240 in places I'd just sit and watch it that sort of price range Mars Crusader yeah he's six dollars and you know he's got 53 and a half and a handicap to level weights with bivouac 59 is a big negative but he's certainly got the, the upside in that he does appear to have that extra level in him I wouldn't be at all surprised if he measure up but I don't think six bucks is a massive price to find out and I'm not, I'm not penning Sabatiano. She had an absolute picnic in front the other day. Um, so seemingly flattered, but uh, uh, she does look like getting a good run again in this. So I, I wouldn't rule her out, but 440, 460, that's, that's no spoil. I think they've got this early market fairly right, but if there's a drift on bivouac for some reason and it's not yard uh, driven, and I'll speak to Rob about that. If you got out to better than three, I'd probably back in. Rob Scurry, any horses here that you thought might show a stack of improvement in the parade this time? Uh, look, there's a few first uppers. Mask Crusader was much better first up. We actually backed him when he was first up. Um, I'm query he's wet to dry. Uh, we're on Madame Rouge first up. She could run a run a race here. Um, she's a panther though. Like she's always walking. Yeah, there's a lot of love. That, you know, some doubts first up for a while. She she was she turned herself into a weight for age horse somehow when she was last running around. Um, and Dawn Passage is probably a smoky as well. We haven't maybe seen the better best of him, um, but maybe he's a bit better on a slightly softer track. So um, I just played as it comes. Um, it looks a great race, but whether it's a betting race, not sure. Boys, it's a huge, huge card of racing on Saturday at Ramwick. It's a great, great card. What's your best and what's your value? We'll start with you, Mark Sheen. Um, stay inside. If it gets beat, I will be doing my money. That's... Uh... <laughs> That is going to be my day. And, uh, yeah, I thought Mwanga had a chance each way. Mars Crusader, if you can get on each way. I thought uh, in the last She's Ideal had some chance. But I think staying inside is the best for me. Cotchin? 
Yeah, I'm going to be betting around two favourites, they being Profiteer and Aegon. Aegon. So I'll be backing Stay Inside and Anamoe in the two-year-old, and I'll be backing Mwanga and Harmony Rose in the Guineas. Rob, anything you want to throw out? Or just uh, wait and get to you and get your Manny Yard mail, which you Going, going all right, going well on the two-year-olds. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to having a look at uh, staying side. Um, and my mate Peltzer, um, I think uh, you know, I made a big call about him. You never know, he could turn it. Around. He's going for six in a row at Randwick, you know, and it'll be it'll be, it'll be, it'll be ten dollars. How can that not be a bet? All right, guys, thank you very much. That's been Victims of the Punt, powered by PuntingForum.com.au, Australia's best database. Head to themailbag.com.au. Get Rob Scarry's Manning Yard Mail. Get a race by race prices, betting advice, everything in between from Mark Roden. Mailbag.com.au. Thanks for watching. Enjoy your weekend.